Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. Yahweh, thank you for this day and thank you for this people. And we, we don't take this moment lightly, Yahweh. Make my word your word and your word my word. I'm not looking for a quote. I'm not looking for recognition. I'm looking for you, Yahweh. I'm, I know you're, you're in this place. And I ask that the word that I speak from you goes into the fibers of the beings of the people within us to make us more like you and to, to make us sons that inhabit this earth, that the, the earth is crying out for us and we are answering, that we are positioning ourselves as righteous ones in the earth from glory to glory, let your kingdom ever increase. We declare this today, Yahweh. Amen. Amen. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness and all its fullness, the word, the world, and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. The earth is the Lord's in all of its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, your, lift up you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. O you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let me not let my enemies triumph. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those ashamed who deal treacherously without a cause. Show me your ways, O oh Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. Remember, O oh Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from old. I, as they were singing this today, I looked back at the scripture because they're, they're singing, um, open up gates, you everlasting doors, be lifted up. And reading through this, I just think it, it, it goes along with really what Yahweh's put on my heart today, which is, the power of the choice that we have. Because this scripture starts off, it says the earth is the Lord's in, the, in all of its fullness. It's his, it all belongs to him. The world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Yet as he does that, he also puts two trees in the garden. Not because he wants to put a stumbling block out there for us to ruin the world, right? 
but because he is a, he's, a, he's a daddy. He's a father that desires relationship. He desires that it's not the presence of some stumbling block to be the focal point, but rather that his mercies are new every morning and every single day we have a choice. Paul says, I die daily. So he starts off with, it's all mine. You, everybody within it. But who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Right? So it's mine. I've given it to you. You're here. But who may ascend this hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? So I, come to, I came this morning and, I, and I'm... I'm I'm just like, I have this weight on me, this, this, this time like we talk about that there's an exchange. It's not to be yokeless and burdenless, it's just to make an exchange in the yoke and the burden, because his is easy and light. And so I feel this this morning that, that, there's, that there's such a, there's such a, a uh, an opportunity, a call for us to come into this place with one thing on our mind that we don't come into a place like this in a moment like this, which happens literally once a week for us. You know, our family, we come together once a week. I, I, I pray and I know, I believe that this family doesn't walk in a Sunday mindset. But I also do believe that we see this moment where we do come together. Come together. We have, we have a, a, a set-aside time that we get to come together and worship him together, that we look at this as, as, as more than just a, a let's come in here and, and, and talk and chat, and there's, that's, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But, but I believe that this is the altar of the Lord, that we have been planted and rooted in this ground, in this place, and there's, and there's such power in the choice of coming in here. I mean, we, we actually have 930 is when, uh, is when our kind of prayer service type thing starts, preparing our hearts for 10 a.m., and a lot of people I'm, I know as soon as I say that might be like, well, I'll get here at 10. And you're probably the exact person that needs to be here at 9.30. <laughs> what I'm saying is the one who's conditioned to believe this is how it goes can never enter into the kingdom of Yahweh. But if you'll approach me, Yeshua says, like one of these children, as if nothing's ever happened. They don't have experience. If you'll approach me with the choice of a child, completely unabandoned, not, not what happened in the past, not, not what happened yesterday, not what happened this morning, but you come into this place with one thing on your mind and you approach me that way, these will be the ones. These are the greatest ones in the kingdom. And I, and I feel like there's not everybody being invited into this. There's, and, and I know a lot of people when last week we talked about him as daddy, as Abba, like Yeshua called him, like Jesus called him. We, we talked about him that way. And, and, you know, and I think that some people immediately go, well, but he's Yahweh. Like, let's not take this down too many notches and make this so uh, palatable so that people can just receive it. That's not what that is. It's actually deeper. In order to get the fullness of who Yahweh is, you first have to receive him as daddy. 
You first have to see his goodness. You first have to see him as, as someone that is, a, as, as, a, as a good, faithful father who loves you and sees you, not, not trying to get you to slip or that he makes things so small and, and, and so difficult that you'll never make it or, or that you've gone through so many things that now let's get back to zero so that we can move on. He washes those things clean and says, I'm daddy, I'm inviting you into a deeper revelation because I want you to lay your head down at night and realize that there is no reason for anxiety. There is no reason for worry. Because from that, he knows that the choices that we make from that day are in the path of righteousness. So lift up your heads. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. It's the choice. I, I just I, I I've seen this this morning, and it's really it's it's challenged me because from last week, some of the things that we opened up about really what I thought to be uh, whenever I first started to hear it, such a children's like story, which it is, which is what makes it beautiful. But the the fiery furnace, and it's challenged me so much this week to the point that literally it. I wake up every morning and every decision I make, the way I respond to my children, I see it as if the impact of it down the road. I'm constantly trying to respond to like what would be the what would be the righteous way to respond to this? Not what I'm just feeling inside and, and the emotions and feeling, but how do I respond as a righteous son? And every little thing that I do is dictated by that choice. I'm starting to see the power of this choice and that we, we can't come at this thing casually. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Y'all are going to think this is the only scripture I know, but I know two because I know one thing have I desired of the Lord. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, for his delight is in the law of Yahweh. Blessed is the man who makes the choice. Blessed is the man who sees his day as not just his day, who sees his life as not just his life, who sees his purpose in today not just for the benefit of himself, but for everyone to come after him as a seed that is planted into the ground that must die first. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the, or stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, for his delight is in the law of Yahweh, and in that law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree. He will be like a tree, right? So that's, that's, where, that's sometimes where we get hung up. I'm not the tree yet. I'm feeling inconsistency. He will be like a tree, daily dying, making the choice. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, whose leaves shall not wither, who bear fruit in every season. And everything he does prospers, even if it doesn't look like prosperity. How prosperous did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego feel going into the fiery furnace? Yet it was prosperity. How how, prosperous? Let's jump into this real quick. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, 
king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Now, Jehoiakim, the king, came from, he's a son of Josiah. Josiah was a righteous king. Jehoiakim, not so much. So, he's, so, so Yahweh gives him into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, sorry, Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had, a, had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. So we know them as what that king named them, except for Daniel. But that's what, we, that's what we label them as. He gave these names. To Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel, but... I love this. If you, sometimes just language, and I know there's different translations that may, might say a different way, but sometimes what I do is I just relax and just read what I just read. Yes. And it speaks to me. So he says, but after these names, so he's named, these are, these are the names I give to it. Then it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So here's a new name for you. This is what I'll call you. And let me just read this. That intrigued me. I went and looked this up. Daniel, the name Daniel means God is my judge or God is my strength. Belteshazzar, the name he was given, means protect the life of the king. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious, but his name was changed to Shadrach, which means commanded of Aku, the moon god. Mishael means what, who is what God is. Who could be what God is? Meshach means who is as Aku is. Azariah means Yahweh has helped me, or Yahweh is my help. Abendigo means slave of God Nebo. In essence, they're kind of the same translation just with Yahweh removed. Or shifted in from Yahweh in this relationship and him being your help to you being a slave. So they go through a moment. These guys are boys. I don't know the age, y'all might know, but th- these, these are boys that are taken out of the land of Judah and everything that they've known in a moment. Not, not how we think of them as like, you know, 
57-year-old men who, you know, have been walking through life and really know the Lord and they really have this faith, you know, story and they've learned to trust Him. We're talking about young men. Young men that are stripped from everything they've known and given a completely different name. And to me, this whole thing right here spoke of, of, of our ability to not be defined by situations that we walk through, good or bad. Good or bad. It brings you back to one thing have I desired of the Lord. My name lives in the name of Yahweh. But Daniel purposed, so but Daniel purposed in his heart, even though he had been given a new name, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Man, I feel like I just want to like shake this stuff off right now. I feel really weighty. I don't know if I just had too many cups of coffee and I'm just like jittery or what. So if you see me shaking, I'm really happy and not nervous. I'm just a little bit jittery right now. Not defined by our circumstances, good or bad, because this is where the childlike thing comes in. This is really, really where childlike thing comes in. And it it seems like I've said this the past few weeks, but it seems really simple, but it's very, 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 very powerful. To not be defined with what you just walked through. To not be defined why, how, it, how it unfolded before. To put that into the realm of mystery and I don't understand. This thing didn't happen the way I thought it should happen. It didn't play out. But because blesses the man who walks on in the counsel of the, of the ungodly, skip all the way down and everything he does prospers. Even the pause, even the difficulty, even the struggle. I count it all joy. I see it as prosperity. It is prosperity. Just redefine what prosperity is because if this is true in the kingdom, it might not be understandable, but it's absolute truth because blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who doesn't give this mind unto his circumstances, not renamed by what he just walked through, but still holds true to who he is and says, I I know that now I could judge everything based off of this is who I am today. This is how I identified with this thing because I saw them die that day because I saw my, myself stripped from my mother because I saw the situation that I thought was going to play out one way play out a completely different way and now someone who's walking through that same situation is asking me to pray for them am I approaching that with faith like a child like nothing ever happened and that I just trust in the Lord with all of who I am or am I walking through it like I mean I'm going to pray for you but let me give you a little advice because I just walked through this, okay? And this is how it played out. Child, like, lest you, lest his, his <laughs> this thing is so powerful. He's speaking to his disciples who walk with him every single day. And he says to them, unless you drastically change your mind and approach me like one of these little ones, Unless you drastically change your mind of everything you just walked in yesterday, why is, why is his mercies new every morning? <laughs> yeah. 
Man, I, I believe we're to walk up and wake up in the morning and they're just be a, 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 get up early in the morning and let him wash you. Make there, let there be a choice, a choice that today, Yeshua, here am I in Revelation 3.20. Here am I. I knock at the door. I'm knocking at the door. And those who hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and dine with you and you with me. There's a choice. I'm knocking, I'm here. The Lord is in this place. The opportunity is there. And, it, it, and it, it, it's, it's difficult because I know sometimes we believe in these things. We believe in, in Yahweh and creation, but, but do you believe in you and him within you? Right, so it's it, there, yes, I believe in Yahweh, Almighty God, and it's good. It's almost easier, honestly, to say God, Holy One, Mighty, because He has everything within Him. But when all of a sudden He turns to you and says, "You're my image bearer. I've given you the dominion of this world. Nothing changes until you say something." And He sits there and He knocks. And we know he's knocking, but I believe casually approaching this kingdom lifestyle, casually walking into places, casually taking your day as if it's just another day, casually going about this kingdom life, how does that bear the image of Christ? How, does that, how is that really answering the door? Before I came here this morning, I literally got in my room, which I know that everybody can't can't do this just like this, whether it be kids or whatever else. And Eva's so, she's doing great, by the way, but she had the kids this morning, and I just said, let me get a minute for a second. I just, I turned on some music, and I, and this is powerful for sure, but it was powerful because right before I even came here, I made this decision in my heart that I wouldn't let this day be just another day, or I wouldn't just speak the words that I wrote on a page, but I would absolutely subject myself to Holy Spirit, and I just want to make this thing powerful and real, and I just, I just sat there, and I went like this. I kept opening the door. This was my prophetic gesture this morning, that I just, I opened this door for the King of glory to come in. I'm sorry about the crunchy ice if you listen to the podcast. <laughs> Eva, actually right while Eva was, uh, she was literally probably, I keep saying literally, but he, she was like a week in, like in that window of having the baby. And I had, a, uh, I had my wisdom tooth removed. And not only did I get like a dry socket, but then I had to get it like pulled out. It got infected and I got another dry socket. It was yeah, bad, man. but... My dad said it wasn't that bad. Anyways, but, but one of the only things that would help me was Eva, Eva goes, and of course, pregnant women love ice chips, like I've learned. She, she loves ice chips in that moment. She was like, you know, Sonic, they sell bags of ice. I was like, they're bags. She was like, it's amazing. Did you tell her that? Well, thank you. I'm addicted. Appreciate it. So like we, so, so I, I, I like chewed these ice chips constantly and then we went into the hospital and it'd be like, uh, you know, the, the, the nurse would be like, can I get you some ice chips or something? I was like, I'll go get them because she, you know, she likes a lot of them. So I'll just, you, 
you do your thing, y'all work it out. And I go into the other room and like dumping ice chips in there and probably ate all of them. Eva was like not even worried about it. So that's an explanation of the addiction. You're just going to have to be okay with it. I love them now. Sorry. See, sometimes it gets deep and then we come shallow again. We go deep and we go the in and out lifestyle. Remember that? <laughs> Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah. I literally cannot say those names without reading them right now. But I'm going to learn as I read the story to try to just call them that. Because it helps me realize that even every situation, anything that I've gone through before does not define me today. And today he re-identifies us as beloved. Beloved, my son, my daughter, faithful son, faithful daughter, approach this with the heart and the the wild wonder of a child. That's not easy for, for grown men and women to do. It's, that's why it's, so, it's, almost, it's almost more difficult to receive a simple word than it ever would be to receive something so depth because it's almost the same revelation of Yahweh as God versus Yahweh as daddy. You know, if it's out here and so like, I can't wrap my mind all the way around that, so I'm okay with all this, mis- this the slipping or not really quite getting it, and I, it's okay out here. But when it gets close, when he's daddy, when he calls you son, when it's Abba, then it's a relationship thing and you're responsible for the relationship you have. You know, it's, it comes to your choice. Today, if you will hear my voice. Today, I knock. It was, to me, to me, and obviously it's for me, but for us, I really believe that when we had such a, a figure as a as Apostle Ball, which we had to have, but him speaking this revelation, it was, it's almost unfathomable how he could even do that and sp- some of the things that he spoke and what was coming out of his heart. And, and it's like, man, because Apostle Ball, you know, he prays in tongues every single day. He does all these things. He is, he's Nolan Ball. And then all of a sudden, as far as how we know Nolan Ball to be here today, it's not the same. And now we have the response. Who, who, what happens now? Does that mean now it transfers over to me? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not bearing that weight except as a son. And so you should, not, you should be bearing the same weight as a son or a daughter. You know, I'm not responsible for the ongoing word of this, of this house. This is a form of worship. This is what I, be, I believe I've been anointed to do. And I'm happy. I find joy in doing this. I do have to die daily sometimes, but I do find joy and I find my, my fulfillment in this. However, this walk, this life, this carrying on comes through us as sons and daughters, not as the one. It, it comes to a responsibility of us making the choice. And we can absolutely come into this place and we can absolutely just do the church thing and we can absolutely just go by our day. You know, this is how it played out one time. This is how it's going to play out the next time. Everything's, you know, analyzed to a T and you know when you have it all figured out. But what happens when that doesn't happen? What happens when the disappointment comes, when it doesn't seem like the way you thought it should play out? Are you still defined by the childlike wonder? Are you still able to walk into a place and say, today is a different day? I was pulled back to this story uh, 
that I, I just I feel like I'm, I'm to share this morning. And it's, it's, it's actually a revelation that I think I shared probably almost a year ago. But it's really, really powerful and ties in with this, what we've been reading. So this is in 1 Samuel 21, 1. Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, why are you alone and no one is with you? Background, David's running from Saul. There's your background. Uh, So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business and said to me, do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, there is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the, in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread, which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Skipping back to David's first first introduction to war. 1 Samuel 17.45 Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." I'm just going to keep jumping back and forth here. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. So we're in two different stories. I don't want to get too confusing. Y'all got that? Sometimes I get in here, I just start reading. This one story is after David and Goliath. David's on the run from Saul, and he's come to this place 
where he's, where he's come to the temple and he's now looking for, a, for some kind of a sword or some kind of a spear and he's lying trying to, to hide and, and still act like he's covered by the king but he's not and Saul's coming to take his life. Before we have uh, him fighting Goliath and he, in, in, the, in, in his own words, how he defeated Goliath, he says, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Think of what David's experience was before this day. He might have fought bears and lions and all that kind of stuff, but David spent his days in the field as a boy. No call, no nothing, no big deal. He's just in there being faithful in the field. We talk about the field so much, uh, but, but being faithful in that field and what he knew was his relationship with Yahweh and how Yahweh had delivered him, even in the secret place. But no one knew about these, these battles he had already gone through, that, he, that Yahweh kept him and that there was a relationship going to the point where he came to the day of the actual battle, that he could say, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Or let's say he probably thought this way, you've come to me with a sword or with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the presence of the Lord in which I walk in daily and I know that he will deliver you into my hand because that is how the kingdom works and that is how, how, how I believe, that is what I'm rooted in. 47 then says, then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword or a spear. So David says again, flip back over to this other story. And David said to Ahimelech, is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? Flip back to the other story. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword or a spear. For the battle is the Lord's. There's a, a childlike response. There's a trust and a knowing response versus one that's out of a fear, that's out of experience, that's out of a, a, a being chased by something, that's out of the defense. My dad always taught me in soccer that the best defense is a great offense. But when you have the back against the wall and you're, you're, you're stepped back, the, the, you're like an injured animal. You want that. Give me something to fight and to lash out and to beat up. But here's the beauty and the revelation in this story that is absolutely so powerful. And those of you that were here a year ago already see it and already know it, I hope. And if not, just let it be refreshing again because this is so, so vital. For I've brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. So the priest said to the, to, to, so the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is wrapped in cloth behind the ephod, behind the ephod, behind the ephod. That's such a crazy, powerful, eye-opening thing because if you know anything about the history of David, as he walks as he goes on, the ephod becomes the most powerful, consecrating, set myself apart from Yahweh, his weapon of warfare. That is where he, that's what he uses. But in this moment when he's, he's, he sees it now, it, it represents peace. It represents relationship with Yahweh. And he, that which got him through one day, Goliath's sword, is behind the ephod. He has to go around peace and what is provisioned today to get what calls to him of old. 
So the priests said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said this, there is none like it. Give it to me. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to uh, Achish, the king of Gath, And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, look, you see, the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play madmen in my presence? Uh, Shall this fellow come into the house? We're going to keep going there in just a second. But at the end of this David and Goliath story, he says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him but there was no sword in hand of David. It goes down to say that he did then take the sword of that Philistine of Goliath and remove his head, but that wasn't what killed Goliath, and that wasn't what got him through that day. But his response, his conditioning, his experience in war all of a sudden made it go into, there is none like it, give it to me. So now David's back on the run. We're back into this story. Uh, he's, he's acted like a madman. He's got the sword. Uh, then it says in 22 verse 6, when Saul heard that David and the men were with him and had, uh, had been discovered, um, Saul was staying in Geba under a t- tamarisk tree in, the, in Ramah with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants, who stood about him, here now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse, and there is none of, not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Then answered Doeg. Do you remember Doeg? Is in the very beginning of the story. It says, Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. He was there. That's really what's, what got David scared to ask for the sword. He was, he was uh, back against the wall, remember. So then answered Doeg, the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, then Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, give him provisions and, uh, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. So the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, and all his father's house, the priest, were in Nob. And they all came to the king. And Saul said, hear now, son of Ahitub, He answered, Here am I, my Lord. 
Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait, as it is this day? So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all of your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law, who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it for me. Let not the king impute anything to this servant or to any the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all of this, little or much. And the king said, You shall surely die, Himelech, you and your father's house. And the king said to the guards who stood before him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. Are y'all still with me? I know there's a lot of reading. So since no one said yes, I'm just going to go ahead and just assume you're not, and I'm just going to keep reading as if it's just me. All right. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord, and the, and the king said to Doeg, the Edomite, you turn and kill the priests. So Doeg The Edomite turned and struck the priest and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Because David responded out of, out of, see, this is a thing that one of the coolest shows that uh, that, uh, Michael Paul and Henry got me into is this, this, this show called Forged in Fire, and they make these knives, and it's like, you probably wouldn't be interested, but it's, it's, it's really cool. And there's just one guy who's a judge on there, and he always, it will cut, or it will kill. And it's just, he's, he's a baller in his own right, and I don't really know why, but he's just cool. And he says, it, it will kill. And so, like, the, the sword, this is, I just really took something deep and brought it up here, shallow. But it, the sword will kill. The sword will cut. The sword will do things. And sometimes what is the issue is that some of the choices we make will have some short-term success. It will cause protection. And that's usually the worst thing that could happen. You take it out right then. But the conditioning, the not going back to the one thing, the not, the not focusing on the ephod, the going to what got you here, it will always call to you, especially in a time of, you remember we talked about last week, the seed and how I believe that this house is in a day of rooting because what happens with the seed is when it gets in an atmosphere, the seed coat realizes that it's in an atmosphere to grow and before it ever starts to grow, it starts to root. It never goes up and starts to grow, it starts to root. And I read somewhere that an oak actually takes 20 to 30 years to ever produce one single acorn. And a weed happens in a matter of days, right? Matter of seconds for some of us at my house. But oaks of righteousness is what we're called to be. It produces so much ridiculous fruit, so many acorns. If you've ever had a tree like that, It'll drive you crazy if you try to mow your lawn, but it's such a powerful thing. But it starts with a rooting. And in a day of rooting, when you're not growing, that's uncomfortable. It's a moment of lingering and letting some things take place in your life that have to take place before growth can ever really be sustained.
I got ahead of myself, and now I'm lost. Give me just a second. So the sword in the ephod. Let's jump ahead a little bit in this story. So Doeg kills all of these priests. Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the thresh- threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? And David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them down with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So, so David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. This is where this story really, really gets good to me. Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David and Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. So now David is back in a place where he has his back against the wall. He actually walked through success because his life was technically saved. He walked through success with that sword and got into a place where even the Lord came and delivered these people into his hand. But he comes back to a place where now his back is against the wall once again. And Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, the son of the man who told him the sword's right behind that ephod. And David's choices had him killed. His son comes to him and fled at Keilah. And he said, uh, he went down with an ephod in his hand and Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul, so Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. There is no way out for David. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. I think every week I say this is one of the most powerful quotes in the Bible, but to me this is one of the most powerful, from, from really studying some of David's life, this is one of the most powerful, crucial that David makes. Bring the ephod here. I'm not going to keep reading into this, but David is delivered from the hand. David gets out of this situation. But it comes from choosing what is today available, not what, and I'm telling you, in a day of rooting, something that was old always will call to you, something that works, but you have to come to a place of death to what was and life, and life more abundantly today. It doesn't happen the same way every single time. I know that we're kind of coming into a place, a lot of us are in a place where really houses are being restored. Um, It might look different. Everybody talks about the new normal, but we've walked through a major storm. Some of this, it's what, are we nine months now? Nine or ten months, something like that. It seems crazy, but we've come through something that really like anybody that wasn't here in a part would never understand why we even talk about that still. Like they literally like y'all had like a rainstorm. No, we, our, our lives were uprooted. Um, but a lot of us are starting to find that new normal, that groove and, and, and things, maybe your house is being done, maybe you're still fighting with the insurance company, I don't know where you are, but, most, but there's a lot of people that are starting to see this town start to come back together into what it was, not, I'm sorry, come back together in what it is today, that it's, there's some normalcy to it. 
And I, last week I, I came here for just a little bit and I went and stood under that pole barn for just a little bit. Yeah. I, I, went, I went and stood under that pole barn for just a little bit and, and, I, and I just remembered. I, I really did. I just, I remembered the, the days of, of which are, were not far removed from that. And I mean, I think five years from now, I hope I go stand under that, that thing and I, and I remember I remember the, 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 the family that desired to be with each other so much and be in the presence of Yahweh so much together that we stood in rain and we stood in cold and we, and we huddled together under a pole barn and made that the, the absolute temple of the Lord, made that a, that made that a um, made, that's where the one thing came. That's where that, that whole revelation, the revelation of the pause, the revelation, so much came to us in a, t- in a day like that. And, you know, the thing about, about about when you're when you're injured in something, they always tell you that uh, in order to prevent any kind of scarring, you should do three things. You should always clean that wound. You should always keep that wound moist, and you should always cover that wound to prevent scarring. And I feel like it's easy in a day when things start to be restored and healing starts to come that that which came to make something tender, to have a tender heart, to be sensitive, to see what brought us to this place, to see where Yahweh's got us, it's easy for that kind of scarring, the toughness to come back and say, okay, we've got this thing figured out now. We're, we're good now. Things are back to normal. And I just believe that Yahweh is taking us back to a place and saying, hold on now. I know you linger in a song long, and I know that I could. We have so many talented people, and, and we have so many people, like you look around you, and every single person around you could probably sing or play an instrument, and we could have some amazing, like powerful music, and we could do some things, but yet we have usually like two to three people up here that literally just sit here and linger and play maybe a song or just play, and it's prophetic, but Yahweh's brought us to a place of just tenderness, of being able to come and actually just offer ourselves to him as a family. An ephod moment. A separating ourselves from what was and coming into what is. Unless this, the grain of wheat falleth into the ground and dies, it abides alone. This is what we're meant to do. And sometimes the rooting process is a little bit difficult because it's not the growing process. But it's vital to us. Does this make sense at all? Am I tying these things together at how Yahweh's showing it to me? The main points here this morning is, is the definition of who you are. Redefining ourselves as the beloved child. Entering in at, at every situation. Entering in days like this coming together with wide-eyed wonder of a child who, who is anxious for nothing. Amen. Y'all stand with me. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.